some prayer. God, just thank you for tonight. Uh, thank you for the chances to come here to, uh, to speak on uh, and learn about the importance of, of the church and, and why, uh, why we need it um, and, wh- and why you gave it to us. God, I pray for uh, this time in our large group. We've got to pray for our, our small group time as well. I pray that they, they open up and they, they answer questions, God, and there's this discussion and dialogue and they're not afraid to speak up. Um, and they're just, uh, maybe leave your changed and challenged uh, by your word. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So, growing up, uh, we'll work quick. Uh, this is week four of our series, Asking for a Friend. This series is all about questions that might be hard to answer, some tough questions that people in the church may be asking, people outside the church might be asking. So far, we've covered, you know, can I trust the Bible? Is the Bible reliable? Uh, we looked at, is Jesus the only way? You know, is, is he the only way to heaven or are there other ways? And then we looked at last week, why, you know, if, if God is a good God, why does he allow suffering? Those are good questions, right? So if you guys have missed for any reason or, or you want to catch up, uh, I, I have this little weird looking microphone. I record them and then I put them on, I mean, it's our podcast, but I'm not really podcasting. I'm just throwing out our lessons. Um, and so you guys can always listen to any of these that you may have missed and kind of see or maybe you have a friend that's asking these questions. Say, hey, here's something you can listen to. And you can just share them the link to the podcast. It's just fan and student ministry. It's all it is. But growing up, church, it was always a priority for, for me and my family. We were always in church. Um, I've been in church since I think I was negative nine months old. I was always in church. Some of you guys probably pretty similar to that kind of a story. Uh, I don't remember missing church. Uh, church and school were in the same category in my house. They weren't optional. You went to church, you went to school. Uh, I remember missing school from time to time, but I can't recall staying home from church just because we didn't feel like going to church. Is that accurate, Mom? So in case you guys know, my mom was back there. That's my mom. Um, it, we, we didn't just decide to wake up and like, oh, we're not going today. It's, we, we went. And so it's always, church has always been an important part uh, of my life. And it's been the place where my faith has been reassured, the place where some of my strongest friendships have been formed and forged uh, in the place where I'm most encouraged and just drawn deeper in my faith. But not everybody feels the same way about the church. For every person who believes that the church is the greatest place on earth, there's probably a line of people who think the church is a terrible place. Full of hypocrites who say one thing and do another, or, or idiots who believe in a God who doesn't exist, or whatever you want to throw out there. Uh, I've heard a lot of excuses, a lot of things, why people don't like the church. So the two sides that are so opposed to each other, so at odds concerning the church, it only makes sense that there have been many shots taken at the church in its place here in the world. From its harshest critics to even just casual atheists, people who don't believe in God, the argument against the importance of church come from every corner of the world. So this leads us to the tough question of the night we're going to look at. What is the point of the church? I don't have notes for you guys um, today. I, don't have, I didn't have a chance to put those in. Um, so I'm a little sorry, but not really. So you guys can just use the Bible app and use the verses. That's fine. So what is the point of the church? I mean, isn't the church outdated and old-fashioned? And the real followers of Jesus don't need the church, do they? Just, isn't the church just full of hypocrites, right? A bunch of liars. That's what a lot of people think. So we're going to, like we've done every week, 
We've looked at this question, and we've kind of looked at some underlying questions to this, 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 these questions, and answered those first before we kind of get into the, the heart. And so we're going to answer a couple of questions first. You know, isn't the church just full of hypocrites? Yes. The simple answer is yes. Uh, the church is full of imperfect people. Me. I'm pointing at me. You got this? You see me? The church is full of imperfect people who believe one thing yet struggle to live up to the things they stand for. Here's the, here's the thing I want you guys to get. God chose to build his church using imperfect people like you and me. Smile. God wants to use you. As imperfect and as messed up and as flawed as we are, God desires to use you. The track record of people that God chose to use to grow his kingdom is quite full of hypocrites. Anybody know who Moses? Who was Moses? This is where you answer out loud. Who was Moses? Remember, this place echoes, so you're going to have to be a little bit louder. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Part of the Red Sea, disobeyed God by breaking the, the rock, which was to just talk to it, led the Israelites out of Egypt. There's a lot. We, there's, I mean, do what? He talked to it? Yeah. Well, he's supposed to. He's supposed to, but he struck it instead. I mean, there's a lot of things that Moses did. But Moses, before, do you remember why he fled Egypt in the first place? He killed somebody. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but murder is wrong. Okay, don't do it, Cutter. Don't. And they may have thought, yeah, think, take notes. Remember that. Put that in your brain. Murder is not good. All right? What about Noah? Who was Noah? Uh, Noah built the ark. That's what we know him for. He's famous for building the ark. He was being a faithful person because God killed the rest of mankind because we left Noah's family because Noah was a faithful man. That's what Hebrews says. He was faithful, right? Do you guys know what Noah did after he got off the ark? He, uh... He got drunk and did some other stupid things. Oh, yeah, I remember That's not good. All right? Jacob, Jacob, uh, he, he lied. David, King David, the, the, what the Bible says, a man after God's own heart. David had an affair. And then he had the guy, the, the, the guy that, was, he, that was the married, you know, the person married to the lady, he had him killed. That's not good, right? This seems obvious, right? Those things are not good. Jeremiah, he was a prophet. He was suicidal. Gideon and Thomas doubted. Peter had a bad temper. Jonah, who was a prophet, he ran from God. Then you have some dude named Paul. Paul, he was one of the founding leaders of the church. He wrote a good chunk of our New Testament. Surely he was not a flawed individual. Surely he followed God hard every day. He was a persecutor of Christians, a murderer and a Pharisee. You know, quick to follow the rules and point out the flaws of other people. In, in Acts chapter 7, you have the stoning of Stephen. And everybody, that's what they would do, they would put, usually put you like in this little pit thing, and they would take off their cloaks so they can throw a rock better than Conor McGregor threw a baseball last night. And so they would take off their cloaks so they wouldn't be hindered by their throwing motion. And the guy that holding it would be overseeing this whole thing and approve of what's happening. And Acts, Acts chapter 7 says they gave all their cloaks to some dude named Saul, who later became Paul. This dude was the best missionary this world has ever seen. He was a flawed individual, right? And so that's us. Certainly God has always been in the business of using flawed people to accomplish incredible, incredible eternal things. 
because of flawed people. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. It's, you know, it's not about us. It's not about what we think we did in our own power, our own abilities, but it's, it's this right here. That the, the power comes from God, that we can do anything that we can do, anything that happens in our lives, not because of us, but because of who God is. So does the fact that the church is full of hypocrites mean that the church is useless? Yes or no? Huh? No. The answer is no. So, so again, the question is, so the, does the church, the church, the fact that the church is full of hypocrites mean that the church is useless? No. Just applying the same logic to other things, like it says, it's like saying, I'm not going, I'm going to go eat this restaurant, it's full of people who are hungry. I'm not going to go see the doctor, it's full of sick people. Uh, I'm not going to go to the gym, it's overrun with people out of shape. That's the same kind of logic, right? As a matter of fact, when the, when the church is full of hypocrites, that's when we should draw even closer and make the best effort for unity and for growth. So, you know, explain to me how, how pulling away from the church because someone in the church has flaws helps grow the church, helps grow the person, or helps the kingdom of God grow. It doesn't happen, right? Just because you, you, know, you see someone who's not living the way they're supposed to and you're saying... No, that's that's not what I want to be a part of. How does that help anything? It doesn't do anything. And running away from flawed people, it doesn't work, it's, and it's not biblical. Biblically, relationships are filled with tough stuff, and they're filled with hard conversations and accountability and loving each other through the mess. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. I have a friend that says that disagreement and confrontation should always bring you closer together. But that weak people simply run away and hide and pretend that nothing is wrong. When we have disagreements, we have confu- you know, confrontation, we talk through these things, we work through these things. So when you come out the other side, you're stronger, right? Married people, you agree that makes marriage a little bit stronger? When you have these things, and you can, you, know, you can talk and you can discuss things and come through a little bit stronger, right? Married people, yeah, no, maybe? Okay, so like me and a couple others. Now, sure, there are flawed people in the church, and there are people who say one thing and do another, but to avoid the church because there are flawed people, it's just, that's silly. That means you can never hang out with anybody because everybody else in this world is flawed. It also means that flawed people are probably closer to Jesus than you are because they're taking the time to try to go to church. Which brings us to the second question that many people ask. Well, can I just, can I just follow Jesus without having to go to church? Surely I, I don't have to go to church. I can worship right here on my couch. I can worship while watching Joel Osteen, whatever. I can watch these people on TV. I can listen to these podcasts. I can sing these songs in my car. I don't have to go to church. I can worship just like that, right? And, you know, well... That, that's true, I guess, in a sense. If I can be honest, there is some truth to that statement. But like we looked at last week, learned about last week, just because there, a statement is somewhat true, doesn't make it completely true. You got me? We looked at it last week. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain to that Holy of Holies, if you guys remember, it was torn in two, torn from top to bottom. Make, why would they say top to bottom? Because I think God, he's top to bottom. You know, mankind would have ripped it from the bottom to the top. God ripped it from the top to the bottom. 
showing that God's presence was everywhere, right? And that God's dwelling was now among his people, not confined to the Holy of Holies. So it is true that, yes, we can worship God wherever we are. We don't have to be at church to be in God's presence. Uh, Matthew 6, 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's there in your prayer closet with you. He's with you, right? God is omnipotent. He's everywhere. No, omnipresent, sorry, just kidding. Omnipresent means God is everywhere at once, which we can't begin to understand because we don't have big enough brains. So yes, it is possible to worship God on your own, and God's presence is everywhere for us to connect with. But though this is true, it doesn't mean that we should skip church altogether. Now, worshiping Jesus without the church means missing out on some of the best parts of following Jesus. It's like watching the Super Bowl on 12-inch black-and-white TV or being at the Super Bowl watching the game. It's like seeing uh, the, the latest big blockbuster movie on VHS. It's all grainy and has the lines, which you guys don't understand, the copper hand, which breaks my heart. Or watching it in the new state-of-the-art theater. Do you guys know there's a theater in Abilene that you can sit in and it moves while you're watching a movie? Anybody ever been in that one? It's fun, isn't it? It's really cool. Like, it's like you like in an, if the, I watched Spider-Man in it. And so in Spider-Man, he's like flying in that Quinjet on, in the Marvel movies, and he's flying, and your seat's kind of leaning. It's really cool. You guys check it out. But, you know, so it's like seeing a blockbuster movie on some grainy old VHS or watching it in one of those kind of seats. It's really not even close to compare those two. You know, missing out on the church means missing some of the best parts of being the church. And that doesn't even cover the importance that God seems to place on the church and his commands concerning our involvement in the church. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's telling us, don't neglect doing what we're doing. You got me? That's what this verse says. Thank you guys for being here. I'm glad you're here. Um, I love that you're here. You guys see the importance of this, hopefully. That this, be, you know, this, this, this time is important for us. The book of Ephesians refers to the church as the bride of Christ, meaning that God loves the church dearly as a husband ought to love his wife, right? 1 Corinthians 12 so it was one of my first pastors I ever preached. I think I was a sophomore in high school, and I preached a sermon to my church. That's crazy. This is first, in First Corinthians twelve was one of my first chapters, and this says it refers to it as the the church as the body of Christ, meaning that Jesus Christ is the head, and we as a church are the body that does the work. And Jesus looked Peter in the eyes on a hillside in Israel and said, "This confession that I am the Christ, the Son of the Living God, is what I will build my church upon." So why would Jesus build something he didn't believe was crucial and for our good? So we're going to answer this last question. What's the point of church anyways? Why does this church exist? Why is it important? Because the church is, is the body of Christ, meaning that we are his hands, we are his, his feet, and we are commissioned by him, the head, to do his work here on earth. In John 13, it says that means that we are to love one another. How many of you guys always love somebody? You love everybody all the time. Mason's looking at Maddox like, nope, not even right now. No, you know, I, yeah, your brothers, I get it, right? It says to love one another at all times. Ephesians 4 talks about bearing with one another. 
It means that teaching the truth of God's grace like Jesus, even if it costs us our lives. It means making disciples by baptizing them and teaching them to obey God's commandments that Matthew 28 talks about. In Acts 2, it means being a place where believers can be devoted to God's word. They can be encouraged by the believers. They can pray together. They can have one mind and one purpose and celebrate the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, it means finding a way to bring uh, uniqueness and different uh, personalities under the headship of Christ and an expression of God's unity. Colossians 3.13, it talks about learning uh, from one another, caring for one another, supporting one another, lifting one another up, even in trials and loving each other to stick side by side, and to, to stick side by side even through the mess of sin and selfishness. Let's face it, we're people. We're messed up. Like I've told you guys before, we're dumb sheep. We're going to screw up. Our friends are going to hurt us. Right? Anybody ever been hurt by somebody that they loved? They thought loved them, thought was their friend? It hurts, doesn't it? Hopefully, this church kind of relationship that you have with them can help you guys have that that restoration together and to to restore the friendship. That's what what we're called to do. The church is, it means that the only way we can do this is through the spirit that Jesus sent when he left, who indwells in us in a way we can't even fully begin to comprehend. So let's just face it, the church is beautiful, the church is complex, the bride of Christ has her flaws because it's made up of people who have flaws. There's nothing else in this world that compares to the church. So if you've ever been hurt by the church, don't judge Jesus or the church by broken people. Because broken people break people. And Jesus wants broken people. If you're not aware of this, you are broken people. That's not very good grammar. I get it, but I was just going with what I was saying. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We've all screwed up. And God wants so much for us and from us, right? We are called to be his hands and his feet. You guys have gifts. You guys have talents. You guys have personalities. Unique things that I don't have, right? Yes? So you guys do, can do things and reach things and, and do different ways of ministry that I can never begin to do because I'm not you. You each have a way to contribute. Somehow, some way. It's a beautiful thing that God created us all differently to do something great. Does anybody, anybody here ever watch The Office? We've got a few. So I'm listening to uh, the podcast with Brian Bumgarner, um, the, the Office Deep Dive. If you're a fan of The Office, give it a listen. It's good. But um, so it's, I'm like on episode like 30 or whatever, and it, he's getting to where he's interviewing um, all the writers of the show. Um, they were, if you guys were not aware, uh, there were a bunch of writers. And so the way they described it was like the X-Men. They were like the X-Men of writers because you had... You had, like, this one writer really enjoyed writing cringy moments. These two, well, there's two guys. They really like to write the cringy kind of episodes, kind of like, uh, like Dinner Party. That's, like that, that's their kind of thing, and, and Scott's Tots. They loved cringe humor. Then you have somebody else who likes to write kind of Pam storylines and what she does. And then you have Mindy Kaling who liked to write about the different kind of romances involved on the show. Then you had others who liked to write about Michael and just him being so dumb and oblivious to everything and him trying to to do good but of course it's michael scott he can't do good or i mean he, he just he tries and sometimes it messes up and he misses the mark right but all these different writers if you have a writing team creating a tv show like that and you have all the same kind of humor all the same kind of likes 
your TV show is going to be pretty flat, right? It's just going to be the same kind of humor every week. But when you have different people riding on a show like that, different kinds of, you know, ways they approach it, it's going to make the show a whole lot better. And if you guys haven't watched The Office, it's a funny show because it's, it's really good, written by the different people. And that's how the church is. We all have different things that we do differently and great and fantastic. And so when we all pull together, we can do some fantastic things. I can't sing to save my life. Like, you do not want me to sing. Um, like, it's horrible. Um, it's really bad. Um, people can sing a lot better than I can. So they, they have the gift of singing, so they sing. Um, let me, I'll be honest, I'm not a great communicator. I'm not a great speaker. I, I'm mediocre at best. And there's people that speak really well, and so that's what they do. There's people who know tech stuff, and they run tech things. There's people who, who are good at doing skits and dramas. So they do those kind of things. People that can play instruments, people that are good with kids, people that are good with all kinds of things. When we all work together, it's beautiful. And we do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. And that's what the church is. Despite its flaws and its ugliness and, and the people that sometimes make it not fun, the church truly is a beautiful thing. And it's been a huge part of my life, a huge help in my life. And hopefully the church will be that same thing for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for this, this chance again, guys, just to speak about the church and about what it is. And, and even though it is made up of people who, who may mess up and may be hypocrites, God, that you still love us and you still want us to be uh, involved in your work, even though we're flawed and, and messed up. God, may we realize that because we're flawed, that doesn't mean that we're counted out, that it, that means that we're still part of the team and we can still do what, what, you, what you've called us to do. I pray for this next uh, 20 minutes or so to spend time in our small groups. God, may you just continue to work in us. May they, may they actually answer questions, God, and actually talk and, and be open to share what, uh, what's going on in their hearts tonight, God. In my pray. Amen. All right, I guess we'll do two groups. You guys got this. I believe in you. I actually talk to each other. It's fine. It'd be great. <laughs>